Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. What up, y'all? This is Come On, Son, the podcast. I'm Ed Lover, your host. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to check out Come On, Son, the podcast. Now, if you checked out Come On, Son, the podcast last week when I had Sniper and Hitmaker DA on the show, you probably said, damn, Ed, you got the same damn clothes on you had on last week. And I do. You know why? Because this is part two to the same damn podcast. Because when we was doing the podcast, we was like, that's a wrap. Thank y'all. Blah, 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 blah. And motherfucker, if something amazing did not happen to us when we was walking out the door. Y'all heard him say that Gip, if you, you got to listen to the podcast. He was talking about Gip last week. So we brought the cameras back in, sat back down again because Gip is in the building. The OG Gip is in the building. Gip, what up, baby? What's up, King? How man. you doing, brother? Man, love one. Always time. a pleasure to see you. All the time. Gip, man. Yeah. Gip, how do you know Sniper, man? Man, I met this man uh, at an interview. Uh, uh, walked up to him. He had a very, very him and his partner had a very, very uh, a different look, and I was I was very, very impressed with it. And we got to talking, and they was like, "Yo, OG man, you need to come to the studio with us, man, and, and listen to what we got." I looked at the video. I was like, "I like this. The presentation was already, you know, past what I see." these kids doing and I'm like anytime somebody can take and make and, and, and dress themselves up like the music that means that they understand mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing about most young artists they don't really understand you know you have to have both to work for the audience to really understand your vision and I think that they kind of like him and a hit maker really you know they got their thing together they understand what they are doing so it's just a matter of time before the world gets it yeah you buy. You gotta have that to make people buy into. Okay, so that that was just the first part. Once once I got to the studio with him, we walked into the room, and the the producer just played a track. They sniper instantly went into the booth. Now you know I'm from. You know we from the old school. Bro. You know, <laughs> you know, you know, I'm looking at that like, wait a minute, we right. ain't even, <laughs> the beat ain't even finished yet. So he he went in, then Hitmaker went in. And then, you know, I was just looking like, okay, it's my turn. 
But I ain't ready yet. <laughs> <laughs> and I ain't gonna tell you no lie, Ed. Uh, we we sat around. They instantly killed it. I had to find my way. Right. Sniper was like, "Man, come on, you just put some down." I said, "I ain't got it all, but I put the first half down. I right. put the first half down." They love that part. I understood that I was in the right pocket. Went back home, got on the porch, and man, I finished it by the next day, and we not, we laid it down. And I think that this record is. It's kind of one of my biggest records that I ever recorded because it's in another vein. It's in mm. another section of uh, music, another genre. You know, having big records like Grills, I had a big record, right. a worldwide record. So I know. So it was just like when I recorded Grills, I knew. You uh, know, when I recorded this record, I knew. Mm. This going to be a big one. When you recorded Cell Therapy, did you know? I didn't know. From my verse, I knew that it was a big song because Cujo and Reek had already put the first verse and the hook on it. Okay. So that itself was big because I'd never heard Joe rap in that cadence and do a hook in that cadence. So that's the reason why, to me, I didn't know cell therapy was. I didn't know until it actually came out because you remember Ed, like we in we was in a different time then you right know? It, was just, it was just a different time and and that was just something that wasn't you know i looked at it as like man we got our public enemy that's mm-hmm. how i looked at it like i got my my public enemy but at the same time i didn't know how atlanta i didn't know how the buying public was gonna take to it but um cell, te- cell therapy turned out to be monumental for goody mob mm-hmm. life-changing you know uh we still on tour. We we on tour the next to twenty twenty four summer next twenty twenty four. So I mean, like as far as being in this game for thirty twenty five years and still being able to go out here and book shows every weekend to do what we do, man. Uh, and only God can give you that. Absolutely, Gip. Do you look back on this shit? Because I know I do, and go, God damn, like I'm still making money off of hip hop. I did the other day. I did the other night going in the studio with Sniper and Hitmaker. I thought about it on the ride home. And um, I tell people to stay in this business for a long time, you have to stay aware. You have to stay in tune to what's going on. And you have to always want to play student. You got to always say, even when you don't understand something, ask. Try to understand. And sometimes when you asking and you understanding, it gives you a new pocket and a new place to run in music. And they did that for Gil, just uh-huh. by recording it. I want to tell people all the time, you know, like, Outkast was the first in our crew to go and get Slick Rick and do a song with him at the time. Even New Yorkers weren't messing with him. Right. So for me as a crew, when we watched that and we watched how, what it did for Slick and it reborn Slick in every kind yeah, of the way. Yeah, the artist storytelling. This is the reason. This is what I feel that's going to happen with right. Gibby in this situation. Uh, they're so talented, and I was so impressed. I went right to Rico and Ray and Sleep and asked them to be the new addition of Dungeon Family. Right. To start, to start a fifth generation. Yes, sir. You know, our kids got one generation. All, <laughs> <laughs> all our kids got one generation, but I'm, I'm looking at them like they taking us into a whole nother place that none of us has touched yet. So yeah. why not bring them into the Dungeon Family and let them be the ones that take this this other genre of music, this Afrobeat soul, uh, to another place. Yeah. And have, you know, OGs like us and, and, and just people that just love music, musicians-minded, 
artists like us to always be there for them, always be there if they need any guidance, and just make sure that, you know, we protect the ones that's talented because there's a whole bunch of industry props out here. Yeah, absolutely. So with with, with us looking and understanding their talent, my family from Alabama, my father from Troy, Alabama, so his upbringing, I know he is like the back of my hand. Right, hit making you know? upbringing. Yeah, know he is like the back of my hand. This guy here just listening to him talk and listening how he represents himself, his his background, he going to be special for the industry. Yeah. You know. He has a multinational background too. Man, it's, it's no ceiling on you. It's no ceiling on Sniper. So to know how big the world is right now and you know to go on tour with Nelly and go to the Netherlands, Australia, Japan, all through Germany, even with my guys. Uh we never had this kind of music. Right, I, I know what this does. Like <laughs> you like, see what it yeah, does. Yeah, this, this a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand oh, people yeah. out there. This, <laughs> you know is, what I mean? this so, is Brazilian stadium, so, uh, two hundred and fifty thousand people. Yeah, so you know, unless you got a pop pop record like CeeLo Green or something, this uh-huh. is the other place you could be in them places that can have those kind of uh, reactions and, and those kind of audiences. So, Afrobeat soul, I mean, it's something that Atlanta needs, and I think. It'll be good for the new artists out here to see that these guys want to take it in another place because right now, drill and everything that's going on in hip-hop, man, they're going to start pulling back from this because mm-hmm. it's too much death. And I feel like them wanting to go mess with the women, mess with the party, you got a longer life in this yeah, game. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. It's a higher it's a higher frequency music, too. It's yeah, a music going to make people want to get up and enjoy themselves and have a good time. Yeah, because, I mean, when I look at it, like, shoot, when you look at the – if you look at Trap, man, I mean, Future, that's Dungeon Family. So, man, we we did that. That's right. We run that. That's so, right. Man, with D right here, man, this might be our new way of running the Afro Soul, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and opening up new doors that if we stand by them, other younger artists will want to take and run behind them and take another route in music. And that's just going to save Atlanta. Yeah, in, definitely. In, in the long run. Yeah, let's take it back. Let's take it back, uh, Gip. Let's take it back. What was y'all thought process at the time? Let's go back to the Source Awards when Dre said what he said about the South got something to say. What were y'all thought process on how New York was such a mecca for hip hop, but they really wasn't buying into what was going on in the South? What were your uh, thought process like at the time? Our thought process was this. Um, if you don't know who we are right now, you're going to understand when you see us again. We left there understanding there was so much going on, you know. And I tell people all the time, bro, that at that time, bro, that was the first time that most of us seen each other in the flesh. We was just watching all of our, uh, watching all of us, either watching y'all on your TV raps right. or we was on Teen Summit, you know. But right. most of us, once we got in that source room that day, that was the first time we ever seen each other in the flesh. So for me – to be in that room, I understood that we had to be even better than what they thought we wasn't. Mm-hmm. So when we left that place, in our mind, it's like we ain't sleeping. We gonna beat. We gonna we gonna beat everybody there for the next ten years. And I only speak like that because, you know, and a lot of people talk. I be like, bro, I can't drop. They last album in twenty eleven. Like. It is nobody from our era that got records doing that come from our era that was dropping records then. Right. We're, we're the only ones. When you look when you look at 
the success of Goody Mob, the success of what CeeLo went and did on his own, the success of Outkast, we made sure when we walked out of that room that we, they were never going to disrespect our talent again. And I think that it made us monsters, bro. Like, I, you know, I, I had a conversation all the time. I said, if you think about us and the people that was in that room, most of the people in that room did not go past three albums. There's a lot of artists that didn't go past three albums. So when they talking to me about who the best and who ain't the best, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. Don't you think that's relative, though, to everybody, you know, because that's, that's a hard thing to pinpoint. Nobody comes with a criteria of what makes somebody the best of all time in comparison to somebody else. Like, I always tell people I don't have a top ten. It shouldn't be because I feel like in music there is no best because – if you look at our greats from George Clinton to Al Greens to Mike, nobody ever said they were the number one artist. Right. They respected each other for what they did, and they respected the people that loved their music. And I think with this rap thing, it's like, you know, this shit ain't got, po- this shit ain't got political. You know, like, uh, to me, the game grabbed who they like, gave him keys, or gave that person keys that nobody else had to elevate him higher than the ones that didn't go through the system. Right. See, I understand that at that time that was going on in the business, Master P was a monster. Sure was. Baby was a monster. Baby was a monster. Diddy was a monster. Diddy was a monster. Suge was a monster. Suge was a monster. And I feel like the people that was giving these deals. Dre is a monster. Yeah, Dr. Dre Dre is a monster. But you got to look at the, the, the actual majors was losing to the independents. Right. So they had to figure out how to turn this boat around. So it was about making somebody from our era at that time, bringing them over and showing them the, the, the business that other people didn't know about. And I think that's where we start getting into this number one, number two, number three stuff. Because they're trying to change rap into like a sports like this, like like Michael Jordan, like this, the NBA. This ain't the NBA. It's music. Right. And music does not have any kind of uh, events where you can kind of measure who's best. I look at it like this. People who say, you know, you could say Big rap better than this person, but it's maybe because you live in New York. Right. You heard heard Big all day, every day. You heard the mixtapes. You heard everything. Well, down here in Atlanta at that time, and I tell people, bro, during that time, didn't nobody run nobody's section. The West Coast ran their section. North ran their section, the South ran our section, and nobody was over nobody. That's true. So when I look at it now, when they try and bottle it down and make it like one man, we just and these people, man, come on, man, like man, wasn't nobody just every running time the you game. went somewhere, and you know because Goody was on tour a lot, Outkast, Dungeon Family, y'all was just tearing shit up, and y'all was moving units like crazy, so y'all was moving around. If you went to Detroit. And you heard the radio in Detroit. Detroit radio didn't sound like Chicago radio. Right, right. And it didn't sound like Atlanta radio. And it didn't sound like New York radio. Everybody represented themselves. And the beautiful thing about hip-hop, and what one of the points that I'm most proud of being a part of that video revolution mm-hmm. of hip-hop was letting everybody know what somebody else was doing in a different part of the country. Because if you were from New York, you didn't know nothing about Raheem the Dream. You didn't know nothing about none of them cats. But when Yom TV Raps came and we started playing the videos, then you got a taste of what everybody else was doing across the country. I always say that there became a time in hip-hop when y'all figured out 
that y'all can talk to your people and that's you all. don't have to sound like us to do it. And that's all we were. That's all that's 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 all outcast and goody mar understood. And since and what people don't know is that I've always had a very, very close relationship with public enemy. Like when I first started my first job on Camden Road and at a red lobster, it was this dude that was working with me from New York. And I was I used to play public enemy all the time while we was on break. And he was like, Man, you like public enemy? I was like, Yeah. He said, Bro, you he said, Professor Griff, my brother, my name Mike. Mm. He said, when they come to town, I'm going to take you to meet them. And um, he took me to Griff first, and then we was waiting on Chuck. And uh, this one incident stuck with me for my whole, whole entire career. I was like, public enemy were headlining at the Omni, but Chuck pulled up in the cab. <laughs> I was like, damn, it just humbled me. And it made me understand what type of artist I wanted to be. Right. So when people ask me, like, how did you make yourself up? I mean, myself, I made myself out of Ice-T and Chuck D. Mm. Those are the two artists that I study. So when you ask, Goody Ma never had girls in our video. Yeah, never. We never did the party thing. So when you try to put us in a situation under some, I kind of get, I don't understand that. You know what I mean? And I understand why one person, number one, that's always been a thing in New York. But I think when we left the source, we came back home and said the only way we're not going to be by, by, by ourselves in these situations is to go home and pull up as many artists as we can. And that's what happened. Right. That's what Atlanta, when we look at Atlanta right now, it's our blueprint, period. Mm-hmm. Nobody did it before us. Right. Well, we just pulled up everybody we could that we felt was talented. And, you know, I just look at Atlanta right now is that we have to move past the streets. We got to get back into poetry. We got to get back into lyricism. You know, the dungeon was in the lyricism. We're the only guys from the South that ever said we want to be hip hop. Yeah. We're the only guys. Yeah, that's true. They said we Y'all lyrical res- as hell. respect hip-hop and we want to be lyrical and be respected from from new york as being lyricists so that's why i i you know they tell me they say how you feel about outcast being rated the number one group and goody mob being what 32 31 i said well shit if you look at it get number one because i've been on every outcast <laughs> it made me no difference where did, where did that gift style your style it's always been different from everybody else. Where did that Gip style come from, bro? Grandmama, uh, grandmama from Burm, uh, from from Troy, Alabama, man. My grandmama was a wrestling fan, like no other. Like, boy, I'm she gonna get in front of that TV? She just that Wi-Fi, Tommy Rich, man, that that Barbarian, man, all that. And she used to take me to the wrestling in Dothan. And when uh-huh. she come to Atlanta, she would take us to Channel Seventeen on Saturday. So me. I always realized certain wrestlers and their outfits, it captivated the audience. All right. So we was doing a showcase one time in Nashville with Bad Boy, Arista, Big, Total, everybody, Mace, everybody. And it was just us and them and the Dungeon family. And I remember uh, that was the first time I pulled one of my outfits out and everybody looked like, 
Man, what the hell is that, man? <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, shit, bro. If they don't understand nothing we say, they gonna remember what I look like. Right. And that's the start of making anybody figure out what your music gonna sound like. So it was something that once we did the show, 3000 was like, hey, bro, man, show me how to do that shit, man. What you doing, man? Where you get that shit from? Right. <laughs> 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 and so I took Dre down to Chester Bridge, man. I took him to his first fabric store. And after I took him, bro, shit, I ain't have to take him no more. He was gone. Right. So, was that just was that just something that you was like, listen, I gotta stand out from everybody? Why weren't you afraid at that time in hip hop get when everybody was just kind of following the trend? Why were you not afraid to do that? George Clinton. George Clinton was up there at the studio with Dallas one day. So, you know, of course, George Clinton was like, man, I'm going to go kick it with the dungeon. You know, George, he want to yeah. go kick it with everybody. He came over to the dungeon. He looking around. And I remember we we had to go to a show or something. And he looked around. He said, man, what, what y'all got a show? I said, yeah, we got a show, G. He said, well, let me tell you something. What's the difference between you and the person in the audience? If the person in the audience can go to the footlock and get the same thing you got on, what make you a star? Mm. And it stuck with me. And I said, that's why you do what you do on stage. He said, right. exactly. You'll never find what I got on on anybody in the audience. That's the difference between us and them. And that's what people pay for. Right. That was like a jewel that I never forgot. Uh-huh. And... He christened us the baby Funkadelic. Well, well, three thousand caught it. The rest of the fellas said, "Fuck that." Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> me and three thousand, we really. You, once he started doing the wigs and stuff, I was like, "Wait a minute, now I got long hair." So you know, you know? <laughs> but uh, but I can tell you this: um, watching him do it, and watching him break barriers, and watching us win six Grammys, and they sell more records than any hip hop group ever. Him doing the things that he did, um, I understand. Mm-hmm. I understand, and um, I think that's what also that's what made Future so great. Right, right now, because Future comes from the dungeon. He was right there, and they called him Meathead. Right. That was that was Reek little cousin. It was always Reek. Uh-huh. And he sat right there. And that's why I feel like Future is. He soaked it all in. He soaked it all in. Ain't made no mistakes. Dealt with the girls the way he was supposed to and kept the music coming. Right. Straight. And uh, Yeah, and every like time you turn around, he's dropping another project. He don't, he don't, he don't they, slow down. They got it. I mean, Sniper got a hit maker. I mean, like, uh. I started first seeing the youngins record like this. I remember one that you know, one of our big laughs was the first time Future and Three Thousand went in the studio together, and Three Thousand first saw that the youngins really don't write nothing down, or they might record they first right there at the, at the board, you know, and there was something. Yeah, that's different. We all different. looking like, where the piece of paper and the pen at? We gotta write it down. And they be like, man, go on with that old shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> So, so it make it make you have to kind of like, okay, I'm gonna have to put that up. I'm gonna have to figure out what the young is doing and to watch them do it. 
I watched Nelly do this in L.A. while we were working on the album. You know, hit Sniper would go in, he'd start humming, and he'd catch that melody like we say. And then they'll go back in, and then they'll put the words where the melody is. You know, that's so different than we learning from, you know, the top ten, the, the rules of hip-hop. is Right. What we talking about. Right. Yeah, it, it, they breaking but, the rules. But they breaking the rules in all ways from melodies to the way they saying words. And I feel like that's the reason why hip hop has gone on to another level and another audience because of the rules. All the youngers and broke all the old rules. Mm. And that's the reason why I think the actual craft and the actual genre itself does nothing but keeps moving. Anything, any place that it touches, it keeps moving. Snipe, do you? Dig who you fucking with right here, man. Of course, do you man. Have the, I mean, do you really understand royalty when you see it? You know it, man. It was an honor. Even the night I was grateful. Um, you know, just more so having self-humbleness. Um, just like, you know, thank you. Even though he was like, man, I ain't ready. I'm just like, still, thank you, man. You know, it sounds amazing. Just go, you know, motivate him how he motivate me, you know. Right. But um, get... Is 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 awesome in the studio where he has amazing energy, man. Like I, I the the record, I can't wait to, to drop it off to you, man. Gibbons Gibbons is an amazing yeah, artist. Period. I get this man his flowers while he's sitting here. Gib, you and um, Nelly's man, Ali. Y'all supposed to be a group. What happened? We did a group. What y'all do? One y'all do an album? We sold over two hundred fifty thousand, three hundred thousand records, and then like, but but you gotta look. It was a thing with us, like. Get went over there, and we did sweatsuit eight million. Came back out with the dirty and T that did gold. Came right back with grills that did nine million. Yeah, and then we did a world tour. So with me, I I had done so much. It was time to it was uh it was time to go back to Goody Mob. Mm-hmm. It was time uh we we did our thing, and um CeeLo called me and was like, "Yo, bro, like uh." I need you. So, man, I put the mic down for five or six years and just made sure Low was right. Mm. I was just with Low. We did the the, the the Nas Barkley thing. We went into his solo thing. That blew up. Then we moved to California and went and did The Voice for about five years. So, like, I was gone from Atlanta. I I, I probably, like, stopped rapping for about six or seven years. Just, really? Yeah, I was like. He was like, man, go on, big bro. Go on, be executive, man. Go on, talk for me. <laughs> but he's back. <laughs> but he's back. <laughs> yeah. He's back. He pulled me back. And, I, and I, I'm going to tell you the truth. The other night, the other night, man, Snipe came in there. He sat on the corner of the, the sofa. Uh, Hitmaker was in the, in the other room. And he looked at me sideways. He was like, come on, big bro. Come on now. Go on, don't, don't do that. And I looked at his side and said, man, if this ain't me at his age. <laughs> <laughs> if, this, if this ain't me trying to push one of the other brothers to do something in the dungeon, I said, man, I'm going to do something for him. And for us to come out with the record we came out with, man, it just, I'm like, damn, man, I can still do this old shit, huh? So, I, you know, that's the greatest thing about me is just understanding that you don't never get old in music. Music, does, it's not like sports. Like sports, your body quit on you. Yeah. As long as you can do this and. Get in there and work your voice, man. I see the longevities of what reggae artists have and right. what rock artists have. You know, it's just what you said, Ed. It's the 50 years of hip-hop and starting in this shit as kids. And when we started looking at you on TV and everybody on TV, 
we didn't know this shit was gonna last. Like that's right. You know, all our parents, my parents used to be like, y'all making all that goddamn noise down there. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> so, so you know, it was never respected by the by the by our parents and you know musicians then because they were looking at it like, man, y'all just you getting making circles on the floor, messing your clothes up. They thought hip hop was crazy. Yeah, they, they sure like, did. They were like, man, nigga, that that messing his shoes up. And, like anybody could do that. You know, they just yeah. really didn't understand that, that, that this was going to be here. And in Atlanta, it used to only be W-A-O-K, the A-M. So when they asked me, yo, Gip, what's the first rap records you heard that made you love the actual art and the culture? I said, Roxanne Shante against Kango. That was like the biggest. Roxanne, Roxanne. Yes. Like, that was like the biggest shit. Like, as a kid, like, that, she was the first girl, and she was on that rhyme shit. Hold so, on. We got to take a quick break. <laughs> I got more gift coming up. Snipers in the building. This is Come On, Son, the podcast, baby. Come on, son, son. We live and breathe real. Whether you're searching for the latest sneaker, that iconic handbag, a timeless watch, or your next piece of classic jewelry, eBay authenticators are there verifying every detail of your purchase. Yep, we're talking each inch, stitch, tick, facet, and clasp that makes the piece you're searching for worthy of your collection. eBay's authenticators are experts in their craft, true connoisseurs, and as leaders in their fields, they're making sure your items always arrive as authentic as your style. So go ahead, get that piece you've always wanted, and leave it up to the meticulous eyes of an eBay authenticator to make sure that watch moving is original, that glimmer is real gold, that rare sneaker is legit, or that handbag is really made of genuine leather and never get faked over again. In a world full of fakes, it's time to get real with eBay's authenticity guarantee. Everyone deserves real. Visit ebay.com for terms. Audible proudly celebrates 50 years of hip-hop, 50 years of culture that birthed the most prolific storytellers of our time. Respect the movement, respect the moment, celebrate storytellers. Hear brand-new hip-hop memoirs, podcasts, and exclusive musical performances on Audible free all summer long. Like new volumes from Audible's groundbreaking words and music series, including Snoop Dogg's From the Streets to the Suites, Yasin Bey's A Dynamic Career in Communications, and Little Kim's The Audacity of Little Kim. DJ Drama's Gangster Grills feature the mixtape legend and conversation with hip-hop greats like 2 Chainz, Lil Wayne, Wiz Khalifa, Jeezy, T.I., and Pharrell. Binge-worthy Audible original series like The Greatest Day that take listeners inside the making of hip-hop's greatest photograph, Double XL Magazine's iconic 1998 cover that saw over 100 of the day's greatest hip-hop artists assembled for one legendary image. Chuck D's Can You Dig It? about how a gang peace treaty in the Bronx set the stage for the rise of hip-hop culture. Or The Motherload, featuring hip-hop heavies like MC Light, Angie Martinez, and more, retracing the history and future of hip-hop through the lens of its most influential female contributors. Hear unforgettable hip-hop originals like these and more essential stories on Audible. Listen free. Go to audible.com slash forever. Come on, son, son. Back with more Gip, my man Sniper in the building. I Gip, we were just talking about the first time. Because we were talking about Red and Meth off camera. Big yeah. shout out to Red and Meth. They're yeah. so fucking incredible. 
The at, first time you saw him here? The first time I saw him here was at Big Gil birthday party at the Cayenne. Okay. So it was a Gip slash Def Jam party with Alex A.G. This is the first time that we saw Red and Meth, first time I saw DMX, first time I saw Jay-Z. That night, Red and Meth were the biggest artists. Oh, wow. During that time. Okay. The next person that people really fell in love with was DMX. DMX really because the way DMX rapped, he was very, very clear to a Southern person listening. Okay. He sounded like a Southern person rapping. Jay-Z, that was the first time I seen Jay on stage. He had on the slick, he had on the slick, you know, grown folk gear, and he stood in one place and rapped. Now, in Atlanta, lyricism is not really, we ain't really up on that. Right. We, we really up on feeling and what you saying and what the music sound like most of the time. So, during that time, if you think about it, high high and all that stuff was coming out. The movie was coming out, so Red and Meth was just hot, and DMX was just so new, and Jay was on the first records, so they were just they were Jay, they were New York. So, to me, if you really look at just now, Red and Meth have always been the pinnacle of hip hop, and I don't think Red Man gets the respect he should get. Holler at him. I think Redman is damn near number one top three ever come out of New York. Redman was introduced to me through Cujo Goody. Cujo used to ride around with Redman all the time. And doing when his first album came out, that's when Cujo taught me how to roll a blunt. So that's why Red Man. <laughs> how to roll a blunt. This yeah. is how you roll a blunt. Yeah, because everybody was dealing with, with them them ugly Philly blunts. And everybody was just now learning how to roll on meth album, you know. So, right. So that's the reason why we studied meth because him and what Eric Sermon was doing was so different than what everybody else was doing at yeah. that time. I, I'm I'm really a fan of EPMD Eric Sermon, man, because he don't Eric get, was down here for a while. Yeah, I had the rental shop and everything. He don't get the respect he's supposed to get. Mm. See, I I just look at hip hop like uh I look at it like it can't be no best because everybody didn't try and do the same thing, and that's when hip hop was the greatest. When everybody when it was a day la soul and and tribe tribe, it was just it it gave you different sections of hip hop during the day. It's like you listen to Tribe them in the morning, Midnight Marauder, then we get on some Red Man shit, so EPMD shit. It was just it was different phases of hip hop that made you love it. And everybody wasn't speaking and, and the rule was no biting allowed. No no Oh yeah, no absolutely biting. none of that. You can't sound like me. No. And and we can all go to the 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 rant, a ghost face, like, hey, son. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's my nigga right there. So I love ghosts. Another person that don't get the respect he get and his rhyme style, him and Ray rhyme style was totally, you know, different then. And people don't understand that I always was drawn to the underdog. And Wu-Tang, to me, was the underdog of New York because – People, they were different. I tell people, people from Staten Island was, they felt like us during that time. Yeah, they hell yeah. Really, they weren't hell really yeah. Getting, they were, they wasn't thought about like, 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 they wasn't thought about as real New York, honestly. Right. Honestly. Honestly. So the first night we performed in New York, Outcast album, 
April the 26th, 1996, 95. The first night we record, we performed in, in New York, Wu-Tang Clan, it was their first show in the city, Protect Your Neck. Oh, wow. We performed around the corner from them. We went down to the bodega and was down there drinking because we happy we in New York. We got, <laughs> we got Boone's Farm out. We listen to goddamn 69, boy. We we going out. We happy. We ain't made it. Right. And then, man, Meffer Man walked around the corner. And I got a picture that I took with all of us standing on the street. None of us had jewelry, nothing. We was just all on our first album. Wu-Tang and... and- and Goody Mob. And Goody Mob. That's crazy. I got. A, I took a picture from 1996. That's fucking crazy, dude. You know, so like, I always understood them. Me and Rizzo was always close. Uh-huh. And uh, I always just understood they fight. You know, me being on the same label with, uh, you know, I love everybody. Everybody love everything about Big, and I'm like, I was on the same label with Big. I did my first show with Big. I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was Outkast, Good and Ball, and and Big and Mac and, and, and Craig Mac. And I want to say this in New York too, man. You don't give Craig Mac the respect he deserves. He kicked the door down. He kicked the door down. And I, I said, do. You know, a lot of times I do. Lot, if flavoring <laughs> your ear did not ring off the way it did, nobody would have paid attention to Big. Right. I'm telling you, flavoring your ears set Bad Boy on the course to where Bad Boy went. Because when we really started paying attention to Big, when you really knew Big was dope, Juicy was cool. But when you heard the flavoring your ear remix, that's when you love Big. That's when you really started. Niggas is mad. I get more butts than ashtrays. Yeah. Fuck a fair one. I get mine the fast way. <laughs> Ski mask way. Nigga ransom notes far from handsome. But damn a nigga tote what you tote. More guns than roses, foes shaking in their boots. Invisible bully like the gooch. A lot of niggas didn't get that line. I know you. I know you got to get. Get the first time you heard that line, you was like, oh shit, different strokes. A lot of niggas didn't get it. Like the gooch disappear. That's when niggas was like, yo, this nigga big might be a little different than anybody else. Yes, yes, and a lot of times when they see Gibby talk, my thing is that I see the. The rewriting the history going on right now. Right. That's what I see. Because what people don't understand is that when I try and tell people, I was like, bro, didn't nobody run nothing. We all was still fighting for a position. That's right. So you know what I mean? Wasn't nobody super rich. Nobody was super nobody rich. Nobody was super rich. Everybody yeah. was fighting for a position. And I look at it like it just gives a disservice when you don't tell the whole story. You just want to tell the parts that's good and leave out some of the ones that wasn't per se uh, good for business. Some people, you know, some people might be great artists, but the business of this hip hop shit is it's not in it's not in some people's DNA. Right. They just wanted to be artists, like right. the business part of it, and wanted to do this, that, and other. Ain't what we signed up for. Yeah. So we, when we just talking about the art, music, producers, new acts, new sounds, new vibes, that's all I go on. Yeah. You know, like you know, once they start adding out, adding on everything everybody doing outside of what we doing with music, then I was like, man, the game changing, bro. Change a hundred thousand percent. Now, who else would you say is underrated? Snipe. Who do you see in your era right now that you say they dope but they underrated? I mean, it's a couple of them. I would say, um, um, Young Boot is an Atlanta artist. I, uh, 
I would say is underrated. Um, it's a couple of them. Um, um, it's a cat. He, um, what's his name? We seen him the other night at Cheetah's. Uh, he came in. They didn't even know who he was when we was there. <laughs> they turned him around. They wouldn't let him in. But I knew who he was. He was, um, he, what's his name? The artist's name. The one who was out there in the black in the front. He couldn't get in. Rico something. Yeah, but I was embarrassed. Yeah, yeah, he was out there trying to get in, and I'm like, hey, I know who he was though. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, a lot of artists. Uh, but Young Boot, I, I want to get that. I want to get that that spot. The Young Boot, uh, Tizzle, Tizzle from Cleveland Avenue. Shout out to Tizzle. Um, I want to get get my brother that shine. Tizzle need to. They need to get Tizzle a lot of shine. He came from that whole era. Um, um, that John Road YSL thing. Mm-hmm. Um. Which is the area we grew up around was Jonesboro Road, Cleveland Avenue, uh, South Atlanta. Uh, right. So yeah, I would say that, yeah, that, 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 that the other end of East Point. The other end of East Point. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. Still resorts back to what we coming out of with yeah. OG Gilt. You know? Coming out of that same, yeah, same that, that same yeah. area. That, that's a, I'm that's glad. a beautiful foundation in the soil. For hip hop, yeah, yeah, it it really is. Yeah, that East Point and all out there—that's a beautiful fucking soil for some hip hop, man. Yeah, we did especially it. from the A. That's a that's a beautiful yeah, yeah, soil yeah, yeah. right there. A lot of things that came from over there, but I would like to say when you said that too is, Rich Homie Quan, man. Shouted, shouted, shouted. I I give shouted the the the, the baton of one of the ones that really started this thing, this 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 melody thing, and really taking it to a another place. Yeah. You know what I mean? Rich Homie Quan don't get the respect he's supposed to get because he really is one of the forerunners of where we are right now. Young yeah. Thug, and when he got in the studio with Young Thug, it gave him a different feel. They start making a different music together. Uh-huh. They all kind of got into that thing. Yeah. Um, and the chemistry rubbed off on him. Um, and and Transparency, you know, he, he he's a talented artist. Um, and, and, and a lot of that the the stuff that gave these artists to do what they do in the day is kind of just you know following a certain trend that um, people don't really know that me and the young thugs kind of grew up together as well. Uh-huh. We from same apartments, John Brown South. We both used to live there. Yeah, um, we praying for you, thugger too. Yeah, we praying for you, brother. Um, so that that's a a, a lot I want to shed that light on too, cause bro really opened a lot of the, even down to giving people the free will, cause Andre. Really, it's what started addressing like what OG was saying. But Thug, I feel like came up and started making people feel free to wear those jackets again, to wear those different type of hats that really uh, Andre always would do, you know. Yeah. Um, but Thug kind of which was the Gip look. Was the Gip look? <laughs> that it goes back to the Gip, Gip look, which always goes back to George Clinton and Paul and that fucking devil, which is so fucking it's dope, so man. Because dope. you see how we handed down to each other, we handed yeah. it down. You know, it came from Parliament. It gave it to Gip. Gip gave it to three thousand. Three thousand gave it to Thugger, yep. and it just keeps it on kept moving. Kept going. It kept right going. to freedom yep. to just be who you are, and when you're on that stage and embrace who you are as an artist. A lot of people, a lot Thug of always you talk about. They used to ask in the studio, he want a Kanye verse or a three thousand. He's like three stacks. Yeah, <laughs> he told first and three stacks. Oh yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Because when I first met uh, Kanye, Kanye was really the actual college kid. Like, he actually yeah. dressed like that every day. And he was he, a backpacker. Yeah, he was very much a backpack rapper. Like, so, yeah, he he he, he graduated into differences. Yeah. Just by his music just getting bigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he evolved. Evolved. Evolved right. as a producer. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he did that. The boy is mean. 
You know what I mean? You can't take nothing away from him as a producer, man. No, as a good None at all. Goody Mob Touring. Oh, man. Shoot. I'm in Tampa this week. <laughs> that tell you right there. Yo, Gift, thanks for coming by. Snipe, Thank I appreciate you, you man. Know, we got to get up out of here. Late. It's another dope-ass episode of Come On, Son, the podcast, man. Check with y'all in next week. Tap in, man. Tell somebody that you saw the shit. Shit is incredible, man. Until next week, peace out. I'll see y'all then. Now, get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. Come on, son. <laughs> Come on, son, son. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is produced, engineered, and edited by Cam Quotes and Krista Hayes. Recorded out of Atlanta, Georgia, this is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast brought to you by Ed Lover. Come on, son, son. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.